Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is returning friend, Chris Lance. Chris is a senior director at UNA, a group purchasing organization that provides the home to the Sourcing Hero. Chris joins me every month to tackle a current news story of topic of interest from his own point of view. So hi, Chris, and thank you for being back. Always a pleasure. Hey, Kelly. Now, you and I have taken on some tough topics, and they've been very broad, right? We've looked at food shortages globally. We've looked at strikes. We've looked at data. We've looked at all kinds of different challenges. Mm -hmm. But today, we're going to talk about something that I don't think there's anyone in the world can't relate to, and that is the cost of poor health. Mm. So let me sort of set up our conversation by sharing a little bit of, of background information for folks listening in. So there's a think tank called the Commonwealth Fund, and they recently released a report that compared American health statistics to those of economically peer countries in the developed world. These numbers are really startling. So despite having the highest per capita spending on healthcare in the industrialized world Mm. and having the highest healthcare spending as a percentage of GDP, the following things are all true of the United States. The lowest life expectancy at birth. It's currently at 77 years in 2020. We have the highest maternal and infant mortality in the developed world. And we also experienced the highest death rate from COVID-19. Now, here's where it really gets scary in terms of national impact. Only 23% of people between the ages of 17 and 25 are fit enough for military service. I mean, these are folks in the prime of their healthy years. That statistic is from Andy Lennon. He's the executive director of the U.S. Naval Sea Cadet Corp. He recently did an interview with a veterans advocate and a forcing former Sourcing Hero guest, Paul Lawrence, where he talked about the impact that poor health is having on our country's ability to defend itself. Hmm. So Chris, with all of that startling information, let's talk a little bit, starting with physical fitness. Mm -hmm. I know you're an, an active guy. Talk a little bit about your general thoughts about physical health, but then maybe a little bit more specifically around your own exercise regimen. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'll say contrary to popular belief, it's rare that I enjoy working out in the moment, right? <laughs> like it's it's usually afterwards that you're glad you were active, you feel good, you feel better, you feel accomplished, right? I mean, you know, think about it. It takes a special human being to like really enjoy physical pain and that, yes. let's call it what it is. That's what working out it is. It's, it's stress on the body for it to respond in a healthy way. So, you know, even just walking is, is stress on the body. Um, now I, I personally, yeah, you're right. I, I do place a pretty big emphasis on physical health. So I, I go to the gym or, or I do something usually it's six to seven days a week. Um, and I, I think it's important to also state that physical activity or, or physical health, 
I, I think that should be defined in whatever the capacity is for that person. Agreed. Like, so, so for example, I don't expect my two and a half year old son to be out doing sprints, but <laughs> my 11 year old daughter is. So, <laughs> so for me, I focus primarily on overall performance and functional fitness. I do a lot of uh, HIT training, which is high intensity, yeah. high intensity interval training. Um, so the reason though, if I, you know, it's like, okay, so if you don't enjoy it, why are you doing it? So the reason I believe in physical activity isn't because I think that everyone has the capacity to be an Olympian or even as you just mentioned in the military or special forces or things like that. Um, I believe it's because there's a strong correlation between physical health and mental health. Um, in fact, I forget the source, but <clears throat> there was an article published in the UK. It kind of knocked me back on my heels. And I was like, see, well, maybe you are crazy, but you got this one right. And it said that nearly one in three people with a long-term physical health condition also has a mental health problem. Uh-huh. And most often it's depression or anxiety. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, that with that correlation in mind, it's almost like you're doing yourself a disservice not to, to put it at the forefront of your priorities. And so referencing back to what you said, though, I, I, there's one stat that's jumping out to me um, about the, the military recruiting. Uh, yeah, it's not a good feeling, you know, when our adversaries are doing a full court press on the military yeah. front. I think I was reading something about China teaching in kindergarten how to clean pistols. Uh, m- meanwhile, we can't find candidates at all uh, to the point where they've actually started lowering the physical expectations for admission. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's not good. <laughs> so. No, it's, it's definitely concerning. Although I do want to step back for just a second. Actually, yeah. I think you offered a really important clarification. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be, I'm sure there's a much more technical way of saying this, but throwing around those big truck tires, you know, like sometimes people in exercise, they actually like <laughs> whip those tires around. Right. You don't have to be doing that in order to be physically fit and active. I'll say for myself, I am the worst yoga person ever. I can't I can't turn whatever that part of my brain is off that would allow you to stand on one foot for more than 3 seconds. Right? You you have to have immense control over your body. So it's everything from just getting out and going for a brisk walk or truthfully, if you're into HIIT training, right, taking that approach. But I do think there's in both ways a connection between physical health to mental health, yeah. mental health back to physical health. And all of this, of course, ties to our ability to be happy and effective in the workplace. I mean, would you agree that someone that is physically feeling well and mentally centered is ultimately going to be a better team member and contributor from an employee standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I I would say so. And mainly because, again, you're looking at those close ties to the physical and mental health, right? So depending on your profession, for those listening, I would argue at least most corporate positions, there's there's less physical gymnastics and there's a lot more mental strain on, on a daily basis. So just by keeping your heart healthy, your mind clear, your endorphins up, your your blood sugar's in check. It simply just allows you to focus more clearly. Now, there are, there are some, I don't know if any, anybody listening or if you know uh, David Goggins, um, that the mindset that he has will likely get a lot of people hurt. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he is quite explicit and quite a rare breed. And it's his approach, it's, it's just not for everyone. Like 
he disagrees with rest days. And so okay. what I can tell you is that rest days are very important. Like they, they really are. But what I've noticed about myself personally is if I ever take like an extra rest day or if I skip, I am I am very, very off. Like I actually, I can notice I have significantly less energy, uh, less tolerance for nonsense, I'll say. And, and even, <laughs> even just around, you know, I, I think one of my stronger skill sets is being able to pivot quickly or come up with creative suggestions or planning. And I just, I hit walls uh, almost regularly if I'm, if I start taking too much time off. So for me at this point, it's kind of, it's almost necessary because yeah, there's a direct tie in my opinion, but there's a direct tie to physical activity and mental activity. It, it definitely helps me. And, and it's funny, like the data and studies back this up. I found a recent poll from Gallup that found that nearly one fifth of U.S. workers rate their own mental health as fair to poor. Jeez. So if we have 20%, that means one in five people says their own mental health is fair or poor, that really does create an underlying issue when we're trying to, as procurement and supply chain professionals, deal with a lot of stress in the workplace. Hmm. All of these supply chain disruptions and unexpected changes and economic challenges, all of those things, we're having teams of people that are maybe struggling internally, trying to make these incredibly complex decisions. I completely agree with you. When when my physical self and my mental self are centered, there's nothing I can't do. When one of those things is off, everything just seems to go wrong. Mm -hmm. it, it does seem like something that simply acknowledging it, right, and then starting to try to address it mm -hmm. through pretty common sense practices is something that most of us would benefit from. Um, so I would be interested in your advice on this. And, and again, going back to that range, if you want to go flip a truck tire, go for it. If, if you're more of a, you know, managing your breath or swimming or yoga or walking, what common sense practices would you recommend to improve listeners physical as well as mental health? Yeah. So well, if we want to, you know, tie this into business too, right? Just like taking a step back, like there's fad diets and there's trending leadership books. And so to me, they're, those are usually the easy buttons, right? And while they may have some nuggets of wisdom or there might be some tools, it's likely not going to get you the results you want to see long-term. Uh, anything really worth having or achieving, it, it takes real effort or practice. So my simplest advice would be to take care of your heart and lungs. You know, if, if you do that, everything else will follow. Mm -hmm. And I think also what's important is you, you need to make it your own, you know, like make it fun. Uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to be laying on their deathbed regretting that they didn't eat an ice cream sandwich 15 years ago. <laughs> and now it's just off the table. They can't do it. And, you know, darn it, I shouldn't have gone. It's just, you, it, it needs to be a lifestyle adjustment. Uh, so finding a way to make those lifestyle changes rather than looking at health as an obstacle that's working against your joy, have it be like the catalyst for it. So I've, I guess I'll say I have two suggestions. Uh, <laughs> the easiest recommendation, it's my least favorite personally, but I, I see the most results from it and it really does work for everyone. Um, and it's sprints. So the beauty of sprints is that you don't have to be Usain Bolt, right? You don't have to be, well, I, I can run 32 miles an hour. Well, 
No, that's not the case. It just needs to be whatever your 100% is, whatever your maximum output is. So I, you know, for me, especially someone getting into it, I would look at alternating walking with sprints because that will help everything. So the sprints, they'll help with your VO2 max, which helps with just overall health and your lung capacity. It helps with protein synthesis. And it's actually the easiest and quickest way to target you know, your midsection, uh, weight just kind of melts away. And then the underlying benefits that you get are around heart health, obviously, right? But you're definitely going to build a strong mind to push through, yeah. you know, the, those difficult times, you know, looking at it from a business sense. And then you're on your sixth sprint, and you're like, it's hot, I'm tired, everything hurts, I can't breathe, push ahead, right? Just like in business, push ahead. So, there's a system I follow. So, you know, if there's any, if there are any listeners interested, I'd be happy to share that information for free. I've been, I've been doing it for years. I'm not a formal trainer, but I do love just helping people achieve personal goals. Now, <laughs> the second one, another healthy change for the body and the mind. And please, Kelly and anybody listening, don't hate me, but it's cold showers. Oh, Chris. Yes. No, <laughs> no I'll tell you, they, well, they, are, they are absolutely brutal, but the benefits from doing this are absolutely tremendous. I, you know, it, it activates brown fat cells, so it can kind of jumpstart your metabolism. Uh, you get much, plenty of skin benefits. Um, I could go on and on about cold showers. So it's not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, usually my, my daughter thinks it's hilarious because she can tell, she can tell when my shower is ending because she can hear me from the other side of the house, like deep breathing. So I don't pass. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's definitely worth it, but it really, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. I'll tell you that. So no, I guess not. You know, and it's, it's so funny because as you were talking, I was thinking, okay, so you know what advice would I give? I will advise you not to take cold showers. I'm sorry. I don't think mentally I could, I could handle it, but it's interesting because I've, I've, been a very athletically active person in the past where I am right now in terms of my work journey. That's a bit of a challenge. So I tend to go the other way. Mm. I'll feel a trigger in terms of my stress level. Mm -hmm. And I will think to myself, okay, I need to address this. Um, I am lucky in that I work from home. I'm lucky that I have a desk which allows me to stand up. Mm. And sometimes it's just as simple as like, okay, get off the chair, just get off the chair, do a lap around the house. But I find that sometimes giving my body something to do lets my brain kick into gear. Yes. And so if I'm really trying to solve a tough problem or, or trying to work on a really creative piece of writing, that is when my house is cleanest mm. because I will pick up the Dyson right? And scoot around the house. Yep. And that noise blocks everything else out. And then at the end of it, not only do I feel more centered from an energy standpoint, but my house is cleaner, right? And that right. that makes me feel better. I have an, an Apple watch that, you know, comes up with the little thing that says like, oh boy, you know, we noticed you should probably breathe. I had to turn that off because it was stressing me out. I was so frequently getting messages that, oh, you haven't taken a breath in four or five minutes. <laughs> Should we call someone for you? Like, right. no, it's just a stressful day. But it's it's funny because you can really, depending on your situation and your preferences, either address it from, 
I like how I feel when I'm physically active and that helps my mental state. Mm-hmm. Or you can take it from the perspective of, I know the mental state I'm trying to create for myself and how that ebbs and flows during the day, during the week. How do I need to address those changes? But it, it really all at the end of the day is one big picture and something that we all should be monitoring and investing in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, there's one last thing, and and to me, this is the ultimate medicine that I just want to ask you about. To me, laughter, we've joked during during this podcast, right? To me, having the opportunity to laugh, how that makes me feel, that is truly the best medicine, and yet humor can be so risky. And I'm not even talking about off-color humor. Even sarcasm can sometimes get us into trouble. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering if with the shift to so many of us working from home, do you think the lack of ability to read other people's response to things has maybe made us a little bit less likely to take the risk of making a joke, um, which sometimes can really diffuse a high-stress situation? Absolutely, it can. I think you you can even notice you know, certain personalities. I think I don't. I, I think I do this. I don't know, but you know how some people you'll get that that nervous laughter. Yeah, like it, that that's your body like shaking that off. So I agree. Uh, there really is magic in medicine in laughter. That that's so true. Um, I think the remote aspect it it's had an impact. Uh, Anthony Anthony Clarvey, our you know our CEO for those listening, Anthony, we talk often about how. 2D versus 3D conversations are very real. And it's it's so easy to take certain things the wrong way, especially in text. I'm I'm sitting here looking at myself saying guilty. But um <laughs> so yeah, I I think I think the remote aspect has played a role. Uh, but I also think that the reality is the current state of our First Amendment has many, many, many people, myself included, hypersensitive. Um I've I agree with you. I've I've always thought that laughter is the best way to kind of pull down walls, pull down guards, open people up to be able to even ask questions, yes. to to learn, to better understand. Um, and I think for me, the reason for that is the alternative is not so great, right? I mean, the alternative is you fear what you don't understand and well, rarely is that a good approach. So Sadly, I, I think things being taken out of context and the viral nature of the world that we live in today, yeah. I think it does. It absolutely does have people afraid to joke around. And interestingly enough, I also think that's why we're seeing almost, it's almost new life come from a lot of these stand-up comedians, right? Because I completely agree. They have mastered living their lives on that tightrope. And I think so, selfishly, I think a lot of us kind of you know, live vicariously through them about being able to joke or ask questions or get insights and just their approach to things is just, it's phenomenal. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my approach. I, I, or my thought, I think remote aspect has had some sort of a a role in it for sure. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily as new because I think we've all experienced those corporate emails taken out of context. (laughs) So I think it's more of just the current state of, well, can I, can I, can I joke about this? And, you know, I think what I'll say helps a lot, you know, someone's like, well, what do you do about it? Um, what we do at least at at Una is we, as often as possible internally, we take things out of text, you know, it's just call someone. And then what we try to do as often as possible is turn your cameras on because 
the thing that I noticed too, is you lose, at least for me, body language signals. Um, you know, someone can say yes, or someone can say yes. And there's a big difference um, when you can see somebody's eyes and how they're responding. And so the connections um, that you have, I think if you're in a remote or a hybrid model, you know, those are some little things that we've done and we've noticed a big difference. So, And you guys also, I know, because you're always uh, sharing sort of evidence of this. You work together, but you play together. You do. Right? Yes. You have outings. I know there was the great, what was it? The great Mario Kart controversy of, of 2022. <laughs> yep, um, yep. You know, but you do have to have those times where mm-hmm. the objective is not some work goal. The objective right. is investing in the dynamics between the different players on the team. And that goes into this whole dynamic we're talking about with team cohesion and physical well-being and mental well-being as well, I think. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Now, we've covered a lot of self-care related topics today, and and I think these are not only going to remain in the news, I think they're probably going to increase as time goes on. Mm-hmm. How do you think we can be heroes to ourselves when we're aware of our own stress levels rising or when we're aware of the stress levels of those around us going up? That's the billion dollar question. Um, so I, I think as leaders, we have an obligation to mimic the behavior we expect to see. Um, so I would say, first thing, make sure you have systems in place, not to go through the motions, but to really check in with people. Because life changes, right? And and with yes. that, so do people's emotions. And if you're not in tune with your people, you'll never see certain things coming. So, well, and let me state, I, I've never claimed to be perfect on this topic, but darn it, you know, I, I try. So the way you asked the question, Kelly, I think, I think is perfect. Um, how can we be heroes to ourselves, right? Because it's ultimately nobody's responsibility but your own which is actually another reason I think that, you know, health, whether it's physical or mental is a struggle for some, because what it boils down to is self accountability and self accountability, man, it often dishes out some really cold, hard truths and holding yourself accountable. It really can be tough. Even for those who have the hit the alarm at 5am and get up and go like there, there's some, it's really tough to do consistently. So I guess my answer would be, and this, it may sound kind of cliche, but always remember your why, but then also watch how you talk to yourself. I think positive self-talk is really important. Um, So the why and positive self-talk, those would be huge when stress levels are high. Because like when things get tough, if you're active, you can think back to those feelings of, ugh, another mile, but then your mind flips to, oh, I've done it before, or there, it's eventually going to end. This too shall pass. So when you intentionally place yourself in front of adversity regularly, then when you encounter it unexpectedly, you're much more prepared to handle it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll end my, my diatribe with this, a quote that I used to say to my daughter all the time. And now I kind of regret it because she always tells me if I have like a little <laughs> complaint or I'm in the kitchen and I'm maybe talking too loud, what I'll hear is tough times don't last but tough people do. So that, you know what, that is the perfect place to leave this conversation. (laughs) 
Chris, if people are just catching you in this monthly visit, I'll, I'll make sure there's some links on the episode page if people want to go back and, and catch the last few. But if they're just hearing our exchange, hearing from you the first time, what is the best way for them to get in touch and, and learn more? Yeah. So you can always go to our website. It's una.com. And then if you go to the about us section, you'll you'll see you'll see my picture and you can you can follow it, route it to me that way. Um, also, you can just email me directly. It's Chris, so K-R-I-S at una.com. And then Chris as well. I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. So happy to connect with anybody, especially if you did want to take me up on that offer on some, some systems or links I can send your way. But yeah, that's the best way to get in touch with me. That is great. Thank you so much for being back, Chris. We'll have you back again next month. Sounds good. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.